Welcome to Talking Events. Um, we are at the IBID offices in Richmond, southwest London. As of a get in touch with us uh, via Twitter using the at Talking Events handle if you've got any questions or comments on the podcast. Um, today we're going to be discussing CDM, um, a topic that has been um, widely publicised, I suppose, over the last few months within uh, many different sectors of, of the events industry and wider to the events industry, of course. Um, joining the podcast today, Simon Garrett, Managing Director of XVenture. Good afternoon, Simon. Good afternoon. Uh, Andrew Harrison, Director of the Event Supplier and Services Association. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Jonathan Smith, Head of Operations at Farnborough International Air Show. Jonathan, welcome to Talking Events. Good afternoon. The three gentlemen joining uh, the podcast today have all been involved in a, a roadshow that's been working its way around the country um, over the last few months, um, looking at CDM and what it means to the events industry. So, Andrew, let's let's come to you first of all. Um, tell us about the roadshow, who's running it, who the driving force behind it, why it was conceived. Okay, so the, the roadshows was conceived... Um, quite a long way down the road in terms of our engagement and uh, Simon and Jonathan's engagement with CDM. Uh, but it was conceived by the Cross Association Working Group, um, or Task Force as it is better known as well, um, organisers, venues and suppliers, um, about 20, 25 individuals. And having got towards the end of, uh, of what we needed to do with regards to industry-specific guidance and implementation, uh, we decided that we needed to continue the education process. We didn't want it just to peter out. We didn't want people uh, to start worrying. Um, there was a lot of information being put out into the market, some of it correct, some of it slightly incorrect, some of it misleading, some of it even a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we felt the roadshows was our way of, or the task force way of grabbing hold of this information that we'd helped put together, uh, working with the HSE, and go on the road in the South, in the Midlands, in the North, and dispel a lot of the myths and misconceptions, allow people to ask a lot of honest and straightforward questions, and hopefully put a few minds at rest, um, as well as delivering the facts. In, ma- in many respects, that's why we've got you guys in to, to the Talking Event studio today, because there has been such a lot of publicity that's gone out in various different media outlets about CDM. Lots of different companies and people in different sectors of the events industry writing about what it will mean to organisers and to companies and to suppliers. Um, So this was very much a a necessary task, wasn't it, Simon, in order to to, to make sure that people have a very, very clear understanding of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, most of my client base are the larger companies in the industry and I was advising them and they you know, they'd already formulated their plans, they had a pretty good idea uh, of, of what was going to be required, you know, but there are a lot of other companies out there, the smaller companies, not as well resourced, um, without access to, um, you know, professional health and safety advice. And this this was hugely useful for um, getting the message to a lot wider audience, for two reasons, really. Um, from my own client's point of view, it meant that the smaller companies that they were dealing with were then, or hopefully will, will uh, you know, as it rolls out, show up with a better knowledge of, of, of what's required. And, and, and from that point of view, it's, it's been very useful. Um, but also, to for me, as an independent consultant, um, and it may sound sort of counterintuitive to say this, but, you know, I've been able to refer a lot of, of, of folk back to to ESSA and, and AEO and AEV and the products that came out of that road those road shows 
to say, look, there's a lot of self-help stuff out there. You can refer to that. You don't actually need a consultant um, because what they were asking me was actually sort of fairly fairly small stuff. And uh, and and so it's it's provided that platform as well. Being on the panel um, of the Roadshow, Jonathan, um, what are some of the, the, the common questions that have cropped up from, from the audience members and from the participants of these Roadshows? I think from all of them. I think it's, it's interesting, actually, and again, picking up on Simon saying is, is that what it threw up. Um, I think it threw up a general awareness as well for general health and safety. It isn't Although it was sort of CDM was the topic, I think what it did is, is it exposed, I think, a few people to something they maybe should have known, should have been more involved in. And I think it certainly raised some interesting questions because on the roadshow, um, you know, one of the questions is, and you had some fairly senior people there from both venues, contractors um, and organisers. And, and I think when we did a little bit of a sort of put your hands up, who's read um, the regulations, I think that demonstrated um, how deep or, or how shallow um, some of these people have actually taken the sort of health and safety responsibilities. So although I said we're here to talk about CDM, I think what it did, I said, it, it raised the bar as far as people's roles and responsibilities in health and safety generally, not just the CDM. Uh, just because people hadn't necessarily read the specifics relating to CDM that came into effect on the 6th of April this year, did that necessarily mean that they weren't taking a, a good stance on their health and safety applications within their events? Um, or, or, or does one naturally lead to the other? Well, it's fu- fu- funny enough, you know, I had a meter earlier on with a, with, with a company who was asking me specifically about CDM regulations. And, you know, halfway through the conversation, I, I was able to say, well, hang on a sec. I think there's a few other things we need to, to, to straighten out as, as, as well. And it's, it's, it's just as Jonathan said, you you know, it's caused a lot of companies to to actually look at their arrangements that they already have and their compliance with the law. I mean, a lot of what has, was said previously and in the roadshows was, don't worry, if you're complying with health and safety law, you'll be fine with the regulations. That is to a certain extent true, but it, that that is the if. And um, I think a few companies have found that on, on closer scrutiny, they weren't actually up to the to the health and safety mark anyway and it's caused them to go and sort of look again because there's no doubt that cdm will usher in a sort of greater degree of scrutiny whether it's by the authorities or you know organizers looking at the whole um supply chain down down through the various contractors and exhibitors what's the and and on on that on that one james is is i think also that sort of where roles and responsibilities sat i think what cdm has done and i think that raised some of the questions you're asking what questions raised whether you're a venue, whether you're an organiser, whether you're a contractor, I think it's made it a lot clearer, whether people agree with it or not, or, or are unaware of it, it's made it a lot clearer where people did to turn up, run their event, and some venues are better than others, some organisers are better than others, some contractors are better than others. Um, but depending on where you are, maybe the venue took a lead on some of these responsibilities, whereas obviously CDM has, has actually has, has shown that uh, maybe not to be the case. And um, so again, it's demonstrated to the people that maybe weren't so clear it's a lot clearer now regarding where those roles and responsibilities do sit i think that's in many ways the beauty of the the stable of associations as well because we've worked together on so many other things it was very easy to pull a lot of this information together i mean these guys sat you know next to me are the experts the associations we never claim to be practitioners in this but you know they were brilliant in coming together explaining their own areas of concern and and moving that forward through the various methods of of apps, roadshows, and documentation. 
But I think picking up on that, uh, Andrew, I think although the roadshows have been very useful, I think it's the same as a lot of these subjects, is, is if you're in the know and you're interested, you'll be attending those. I think one of the challenges, although it's been led by the trade associations, the AOA, the ESSA, what we're all very conscious of is obviously the, the guys outside that uh, organisations, which obviously there are a lot of, um, and this is why I think, and maybe Andrew can explore on that a little bit, expand on that a little bit more, is, is that um, regarding just getting the word out to the industry, as I said, it's not a secret society. Have the, have the roadshows been limited to members of the organisations that are driving it? No, not at all. They're available to anybody who's interested in coming and finding out more. They were, we publicised them through the press uh, via our membership, asked our members to pass them on to the wider, the wider audience. And the same with our documentation. It's freely available on all uh, association websites. There's no login required. Um, same with the app. It is free to download for whoever uh, wishes to download it. From And there is obviously the website portal as well, which is, again, free to, to log on to and, and and start going with it i think that's been an impressive part of the whole thing that i mean it certainly impressed me it is the uh the amount of goodwill that's been involved from from right across the board in saying okay this is an industry problem and it needs th- th- these need an industry approach and industry solutions and it's from the beginning it, it, it it's been like that and a lot of people have sort of contributed um, their, their thoughts and then a lot of people are sharing sort of products and saying well how are you doing it and how are you filling out this particular form etc and, and um, it, it's a good uh, it's a good model and I was it's a good base if we were ever to face something like th- this again which we surely will at some point um, but that has been an impressive part of it that, that sort of coming together from an industry response point of view. Yeah I think that's true because I think there has been situations prior to this um, where maybe we've ended up in a few little silos regarding whether again go back to the sort of three main points of the organiser um, contractor or venue and picking up on Simon I said it, it pulled us together into a, a situation where we where we needed to treat it as an industry and I think that's absolutely right we've now got a an ongoing working group um, which which is ready for the next thing that's coming down the pipe so that's uh, that's a really good place to be. I'm interested to look at some of the actual practicalities of CDM and, 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 and the impact it, it will have on day-to-day operations um, for organisers, for suppliers, for contractors, for venues. Um, first of all, from a policing point of view, the HSE ultimately will be the, the ones responsible for, for making sure that people are implementing and, and, and deploying CDM correctly. How is it going to be policed? Um, I've seen the term self-regulation seems to have appeared an awful lot in the last few months, and I'm I don't quite know what to make of the term self-regulation. Right, um, it's a very good question. Uh, I mean, you, you've got to realise, of course, that April the 6th this came in. Um, we're beginning to see a little bit of feedback from events and, and, and consultants like me on other sort of encounters they've had with, with CDM, but we haven't got a lot to go on. Um, the HSE have said that proportionality is the the um, the sort of watchword here so that they're going to apply this proportionately i that you know that they're, they're, they're not just going to steam steamroll in and and uh, make life difficult for the sake of it um we haven't seen any evidence um yet because no, no, nothing's really happened um and uh but it does you're quite right it does change the policing I and mean, in my background it, it was as venue background and and 
you know, as a director of a major venue, we used to make sure that, you know, there was only so far the organiser was going to go before they did something that, that, that they, they shouldn't have done. Um, and so, but that, that has changed now. The venue's role is reduced to that of a contractor um, in, for practical purposes. Um, so, yes, it is a lot down to the organiser to, to get their house in order. And of course, we'll see, you know, the proof of pudding will be in the eating when there is a major problem at some point. And then the HSE shows up. We'll see how it rolls from there. Is it, is it naive of me to think that there will be or there have been already scenarios where the HSE will just knock on the door of an event and say, right, we're here to spot yeah, I check think there's you? Been, there's been a number of you know, my colleagues in the industry. I've you know visited a couple um, and it's been reported um, that a couple of venues and, and events have been visited. But I think to pick up on, you know, the HSE have been very consistent on this one, is they are appreciating there is a bedding-in period, um, although or even for some of the larger events, this is a slight change. Um, and even if you've been running your event and you're organising and the, and the infrastructure has been very close to CDM, if not in CDM words, um, it has taken a little bit of time. But my feedback, you know, from certainly discussing with HSE and, and is, is that they're obviously looking at the the high-risk activities on site, whether it's CDM or not. Um, that's not necessarily just going to be the CDM. And that's the, the, the old age high risks of things like working at height, as, as, as an example. Now, if they're going to come onto site, which they have been on I know, a number of high-level events, um, that's what they're looking at. And they've made it very, very clear that they're not particularly looking at um, CDM as a priority, but obviously that will come into play. But they are obviously looking at the high risk of, as I said, um, working at height, use of plant, et cetera, et cetera, like that, which they would have done a year ago, two years ago, and it's, they're being consistent on that one. Festivals, um, events like Farnborough, for example, we'll, we'll, we'll use Farnborough as an example. Um, the sheer scale of them and the nature of what's going on on that site during your production build, if we can call it that, it will very much feel like a construction site, and construction ultimately is, is the key word here and what we come back to with CDM. Um, is CDM fair on smaller events, fairs, you know, things organised by local authorities in, ta- in town centres? Um, is, is CDM, is there any movement at all for your size of event or your scale of event? Or is this one set of regulations that applies to everything, regardless of how big or small? Well, well that's the nub of the issue. I, I, you know, um, I, and I wouldn't be impertinent enough to say that, that, that Jonathan's job is easy because they're far from it. But, you know, the larger well-established events and, and, and festivals have, you know, have got their house in order because then they've got the resources to deal with CDM. Your, you know, in theory, CDM applies to a, you know, a student job fair with a few pop-ups. Now, um, I think on one of my blogs, I actually said, you know, it applies to a, a WI jam and bake sale, which is clearly ridiculous. And, you know, um, CDM is, is fundamentally unsuitable for the events industry. We, we went in knowing that. It's, what we've done is sort of, I suppose, pummeled it into manageable um, proportions in a way and saying, OK, well, it, it is what it is, so we're just going to have to deal with it. Mar- a large number of these type of events will just carry on and, and will be oblivious to CDM and, and the HSE will go nowhere near them because, you know, there's... You know, so it in theory applies, but but nothing will happen. I think that's right. As, as, you know, it's, it's proportionate to everything. I mean, there's there's only X amount of resource on this. But as I said, what it has done, and and the AGZ, I think this this whole whether it's three four years, which it has been, it's been a long a long road. 
Um, it has given both sides, I think, a, a, a much clearer understanding of where they are. In fairness, HSE were a, were a name to a lot of people that never ever knew who they were. They were a sort of faceless organisation. I think we can certainly, certainly the three of us sat here, know a number of key individuals now that if we have any issues, we know who to exactly who to pick up and, and ring and contact, and they will very openly support you. So I think it's been a really good exercise in that sense. I agree. I was going to say it's been another key element of the exercise is to bring a face, a personality to the HSE. Because uh, like I said, when we started dealing with this issue four years ago, there was the fear factor. There was the, oh, don't talk to them because you're raising your head. Um, let's hope it just goes away. But it's not the tactic we generally you know, wanted to adopt. You, you, you've, you've touched then on, on my next question, which was how um, forthcoming were the HSE in terms of engaging with the events industry and recognising the fact that although these regulations apply fundamentally to the events industry, that there were going to be significant differences between the events industry and the construction industry. So how forthcoming were they in, in engaging and speaking to people and finding out how or what the best way forward was in order to apply these regulations? I, I mean, it's, it's, it must be said there was a rocky start. I don't think they had, had actually looked at the event. I, I, I don't know, but I, I suspect that they looked at the events industry and had the idea of a few festivals and... You know, and and then actually, when when the industry responded to their um, consultation exercise, began to realise that this was a lot a lot bigger animal than they had originally thought, and and also highly complex and a lot more you know damage. And I think they started to get an idea of the damage that could be done if they were heavy handed with this. So there was very you know I don't know where the turning point is maybe. Maybe you saw it, but there was a point at which suddenly there was a sort of, there was a standoff, and then they thought actually both sides thought actually we're going to have to talk to each other, you know, sensibly about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. After that, it, it became a lot easier. I think once there was acknowledgement of competency on both sides, at the end of the day, I think it takes that. You know, I think there was that sort of walking in through the through the bar sort of thing, bang, mm-hmm. open the doors, suddenly thinking, oh, hang on a sec, actually, yeah, you know, the events, although maybe fragmented because you've got festivals and exhibitions and live events it is we are quite fragmented but although we're quite a small industry so i think once that sort of competency was 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 found i think there was definitely then a coming together and and realized that hang on there's a result to be got here for both sides uh, from a trade association point of view andrew was was there a point where the association was engaging with the hse and where there was a a moment of sort of acceptance that okay we all know what we're talking about here and we now trust that so let's let's move forward there there was i mean uh, and it it gathered pace and it gathered pace quite quickly towards the end Uh, but as i touched upon a moment ago we're going back four years where chris skeeth my predecessor first uh, took this up with the hse um when we came onto their radar in and around the olympics um and over uh, temporary structures was when they first started to engage with some of our members. Our members spoke to us, and not much happened for a couple of years, and it all went a bit quiet. And to be honest, with conversations with the HSE, it felt as though it had gone away. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then they decided it wasn't going to go away. Um, so what we did with regards to the task force is create a campaign. And in fact, there was a uh, there was a period of feedback where they asked for various industries to 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 comment on the proposals, and I 
think it must have been at least 70-80% of the, the forms that were filled in and submitted to the HSE on this particular subject were from our members, so from across the organisers, the venues and, and the suppliers. And so at that point they decided to engage in um, an economic study to see what the impact would be. Um, and that would have been, I'd say, maybe last June. So that's when it started to gather pace. They then stopped the economic study and actually decided they were going to enforce uh, these new regulations on our industry. But what they wanted to do is sit down with the associations and create industry-specific. And I would say from about last November onwards, it really picked up a pace in terms of creating this industry-specific guidance and enforcing it come April. You mentioned the word economics. Mm-hmm. Um, cost. How will it affect organisers? Well, I think that's what it's coming back to. I think it was a question. I'm sorry, earlier maybe we didn't answer it properly. But I think you're saying to the little guy and the mm. big guys. Very much um, so. Yeah. You know, the big guys, as I say, and I think so. I mentioned it is, is that you know we we were already you know resourced and ready and running our I think our events fairly fairly well. And although we've had to sort of rename and and, and reword a few things, I think. Uh, but the little guy down the road who who's, does come under CDM, I think that's where, it's not particularly a cost, but it's where is there support for them. And I think this, again, is, and maybe Andrew's a better one to answer that, because there is various um, resources out there, and, and, and whether it's resource packs and, and uh, the new app that's come out, mm. which, again, I'll leave Andrew to, to, to point on. Um, but there is definitely, and out of this task group and out of this working group, there has definitely come additional support now not just for the big boys, but for the for, for the medium and the smaller guys as well, who would never have even heard of CDM and haven't never heard of health and safety. So that's uh, that's where we've got to. Um, looking at then, um, is it is it fair to say that, that there's not necessarily going to be a huge cost implication even to the to the smaller organisers, provided that they access information and resources that are now being made available to them and that they're aware that those resources are there? I mean, I have a few caveats with this. I I think in an ideal world, there probably wouldn't be a great deal of cost imposed, but there will be some in cost. Um, The issue is, and, and, you know, if you look at why they revise the CDM regulations, these are not new regulations. They always existed. Um, they just never applied to the events industry. And the 94 and subsequent 2007 regs um, were far too onerous, sort of gold-plated regulations that pushed pushed up costs for the um, construction industry. And so the whole point of this was to strip that out. But uh, the reason it needed doing, you know, is was because when the regulations were brought in, um, they were gold-plated, and then the the response that followed it meant that the construction industry was saddled with a lot of costs. I think we it's too early to say whether we've avoided this yet, but you can see how it runs if you get a health and safety consultant who you know is a, a jobbing consultant and lives by the next job he or she gets, going to someone and saying, right, CDM, there's a few things you need to do here. And all of a sudden, we're filling in forms and, and adding costs that we don't need to do. And we are a bit prone, not, not just the, you know, the events industry, but industry in general. So I think if we're not careful, a lot of these costs will be self-inflicted by overzealous health and safety uh, consultants, dare I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and also, perhaps, um, local authorities and, and, and the more minor officials that actually don't understand the regulations and perhaps even more risk-adverse 
type organisations, you see the, the charity sector and the like might be saying, OK, but we've got to make really, really sure. So, you know, we must guard against that and, and take sensible, proportionate decisions so, so that we don't actually do that. That said, um, we do have challenges in the, in, in the business that you know, already been mentioned, um, like working at heights and, and, and moving heavy plant and, and stuff like that. And, you know, this will be the point which finally we have to face those and deal with them, and that will incur costs. But, but, but what we mustn't forget is, is and I think we actually touched on this, is, is what is the CDM trying to do? And I think at the end of the day what it is, is, is to obviously coordinate a very safe site, and that's really what CDM is about. It's coordinating contractors, making sure that people who are coming onto site are aware of their responsibilities um, and welfare, welfare. Many of us, I think, have been on more traditional building sites, and you've seen the, the you know, the large hoardings and that, that go up on a permanent building site of a housing development. That's obviously something we. That was one of the challenges actually that we had with the uh, the HSC. That obviously that's a cost implication that you can't physically do on a two day show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's going in and then wait for another show to come back in again. So, uh, yeah. So that's um, it, it's that's what it is about. It's about creating a safe environment that's what all health and safety is about there is an acceptance i get the the feeling within the industry that that this is generally speaking a good thing because it's about creating a safer environment uh, for everybody is is there any danger at all just to throw a hand grenade in here that this is this is a bit of a trojan horse and the creativity and the flair that fundamentally you know is apparent in all aspects of the event industry becomes over-regulated and that this CDM becomes a bit of a Trojan horse to, to create tighter regulations in what is ultimately a very creative industry. I use that term myself, actually, some, some way back and said, look, you know, the HSE, and I, I posed the question, you know, are the HSE using this as a Trojan horse to get a, a handle on an industry where they haven't had any sway? I mean, you know, the HSE does have ultimate authority when it comes to health and safety enforcement, but it was the local authorities that did this on a on a day-to-day basis and you know if you were a conspiracy theorist you were, you'd be looking at all government departments being sort of cut back and saying fine here they, they're now now they see this huge industry um i i think there is a danger that if you uh but i don't think it's any more than any other regulation and there's plenty of them out there that, that we stifle creativity i do think um, and there is a wider danger at a macro level. You, you've got to add in all of the other things we're doing. You know, we've had changes in electrical regulations previously. That there are tightening of rules here and there. There will be a point at which you know exhibitors and, and organisers, you know, review perhaps the economic viabilities of running shows in UK exhibition centres. Now, I, I don't think we're anywhere near that yet, but that that is a you know, it is if you continue to impose um, regulation that is too prescriptive and, and too restrictive, then ultimately that's where you're going to end up. And and the skill, if you like, with, you know, with um, sort of professional operations teams like, 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 like Farnborough and, mm-hmm. you know, consultants like me is to try and find the solution that meets the requirements of the regulations while still allowing all of the creativity. So... You know, as a health and safety consultant, you know, I, I would always say, look, it isn't just about loss prevention. It is business enablement to be able to do this 
you know, Formula One racing is only possible because of, you know, very sophisticated risk management, mm -hmm. you know, modules, not in spite of them. And if you look at it that way, then it doesn't need to be um, a, a strangle on creativity, but there is a danger if you if you don't keep an eye on it. And that was something quite early on with our discussions with HSC that, you know, on behalf of sort of UK PLC here, is that there's a larger exhibition, smaller exhibitions. What we certainly didn't want to do is create any more red tape that would give everybody the ammunition to say, Simon says, oh, we're not going to go here, we're going to run our show in Germany or France and, and we're going to take it away from the UK. So that was something that was made very aware. It wasn't made aware at the beginning, but certainly was, was taken on board um, during our discussions. Um, like anything, you can do an awful lot of consultation prior to, to, to the actual regulation coming in. Um, but until it goes live and still it until it starts to be applied in in a real life scenario, you won't really know whether or not you've got it one hundred percent right. Um, five months in, are, are there any examples thus far of flaws, loopholes, grey areas, things that may need to be revised fairly quickly or or, or even in in the medium term? Uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. You, you know. um, from an association point of view, I mean, <clears throat> we have a, a you know a huge amount of information now available. And I, I suppose from our point of view, we we were even guilty of overcomplicating it from the start. So already, you know, four months in, we're looking to simplify versions of what we've already released. Um, again, are there any are there any stats thus far? No, I know we're in its it's in its infancy in the grand scheme of things. But are we already seeing actual facts and figures come back in terms no, of? I don't are there think any so. sort of reduction? No, there aren't right? anything particularly. And I think, but I think this is a sign of the of the way forward, I think, is that we've already sort of put a peg in the ground, I think, for the back end of this year, to probably sit down with the HSC and almost have a, almost not, not a wash-up, because this is an ongoing uh, project, but almost, guys, how, where are we at? You know, how, how did it perform? And um, there's enough of us around that uh, said, from, from different aspects, that said, I've certainly made, made it clear that I've been around and talking to some of my colleagues in the industry and, and visited several events that have had visits, and I think I think the HSC I think is a new dawn. I think we will be sitting down in, in later on in the year and sitting down and saying, how did we all do, and can we do better? So, um, and then again, that's only going to create a better, better relationship going forward. So, but as it stands, no, there aren't any particular statistics at the moment. Unless anybody knows I think otherwise. it's a it's a lot slower burn actually. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily we shouldn't sit down and, and, and discuss how it went, but you know, I'm, I've I've seen this over a couple of decades at least. Um, you know, I can well remember from my time running a venue that, you know, where, you know, the 92 regulations requiring a risk assessment had been in place for, you know, well, since 1992. And there we were in 2000 and it was like trying to get blood out of a stone, you know. Um, now, you know, it's just the way we do stuff, you know, risk assessments, you know, nobody questions it, you know, but it took a long time for, for people to, to absorb it. Now, I think... There is a, a degree of urgency here because this whole thing has been thrown into the spotlight. Um, you know, there's far more. I mean, one of the things that we haven't mentioned, of course, in this, that the regulation is not just the change in there being imposed on the events industry, but is also they have changed in terms of how they're um, imposed on the construction industry generally. And, and one of the big changes is the emphasis on, you know, the client, which is the you know, basically the the owner or of the event uh, and their responsibilities. And it places that responsibility a lot higher up, you know, and, and the responsibility, if they weren't aware of it before, very firmly in the boardroom. 
So I think when that penny drops, we'll see a much swifter, you know, adoption of, of, of what's needed. Well, well, on the subject of um, boardroom level and, and responsibility, um, I'd like to actually just see if we can get some advice for people listening to this and, and for organisers who are who are listening to, to the podcast. Um, when we talk about client, principal, designer, principal, contractor, the the three terms that crop up fairly regularly in a lot of the coverage that I've read in the last few months have seen generated. Um, let's talk a little bit about the process of appointing those and perhaps dispel the myth a little bit that it was going to be a complicated process, that it was going to incur all this additional cost or additional effort in employing these specific people and how organisers can actually apply and meet these uh, these three key positions. Well, it's actually quite simple. I mean, the, the, the nominate, you know, figuring out who does what is actually quite simple. Living up to those requirements is, is, is the tricky bit. I mean, essentially, uh, the client is the the party or individual on whose behalf the event is being run so that's usually the where where the ownership lies principal designer is the architect of the event and um um and then the principal contractor is the is the party responsible for actually running the thing on the ground is usually the operations team for most um farmers are very different animal in that respect but for most you know, exhibition organisers, they are in, they embody all three of those as, you know, so, you know, it'll be, you know, ABC exhibitions, you know, limited will, will be each one of those. And, and within the organisation, there will be individuals who are having to, to deliver on those responsibilities. This is probably about 80% of all the documentation we've put together, sent out, and the information within the app in what it details. Well, we should t- we should touch on this then. Let, let's let's introduce it properly, Andrew, because mm-hmm. there is an, an an app that mm-hmm. is available or will be available. No, it's, it's been available since Monday, so it's available in the Apple Store, uh, Microsoft, and the Google Play. Okay. Um, and there's also a web version as well. Um, Give us the headlines on it. What, what is it? What, what does it do and how will it help people? Well, it, from what Simon's just says, it helps give people information in terms of understanding roles and responsibilities under CDM. Mm-hmm. Um, and it breaks it down in terms of organiser responsibilities, venue responsibilities, contractor responsibilities, main contractor responsibilities and exhibitor responsibilities. And understanding your role within uh, CDM regulations. It breaks it down under those titles, and then it gives you all the uh, all the ability to complete all the relevant documentation that you would need from risk assessments, method state, statements, and so on. Um, save them, submit them, save them and email them to yourself so you can submit them to an organiser. Um, and I mean, it's quite a simple, straightforward function in that sense, but it also sets the scene in terms of what we've tried to discuss here in terms of how far this goes back. Uh, and... It will be accessible just via mobile devices or online as well? Online. So there is a website as well, which is uh, cdm4events.org.uk. So that's where anyone can access it from their, their PCs. And, and we'll certainly be tweeting some links out via the, the at Talking Events uh-huh. uh, Twitter handle. If yeah, you've and got in the various stores, it's just searching for CDM for events. Excellent. Um, in terms of how, going back to these these, these roles, Jonathan, um, your role is in operations at Farnborough. Will that see you actually assume one of these roles that, that, that are described in CDM? Yeah, as you say, as, as Simon says, it, it basically, and this is again been accepted by the ATC, which again I think they took trouble understanding at the beginning, is that that can be one 
can be the, the one organisation can can bridge several of those roles. And like with ourselves, our ops team within, the, say, the air show organisation, obviously the principal designer is also steps over as, 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 as being the client as well. Um, obviously, then we have our contractors sitting below us. So, again, it, it, it is quite simple. And so there isn't any, it isn't black and white like that. It's up to yourself to really sort of make, and once you start sitting down with some of your contractors or even with some of the resource material that there, it is, it is quite, it's quite straightforward. And again, there is no crime about getting that not slightly right or slightly wrong. Again, take some little bit of advice on somebody you might know better, whether it's in a venue or, a, or a, an organiser. Um, so this is where the venues said their responsibility is taking a slightly sort of back step, but at the same time they also are some of the most experienced places to, to go to that make seek, seek seek advice on. So again, so there's plenty of plenty of uh, material online that can just guide you in that thing. But it isn't as clear as black and white. Every event, I think almost every event is probably slightly unique um, in terms of how they're doing because some some organisers have their own in-house teams. Some some organisers might use outsource to a to a to a support production company, um, so depending on on how you're how you're running your event, it will it will change. Uh, it's a very good point, actually. That the yeah, you know, okay, it is criminal law, but uh, Jonathan's absolutely right that you know there will be no repercussions if you write the wrong name in the wrong box. And you know, I would add, you know, to that is that you know this isn't about form filling. This isn't. Yes, there is a certain amount of that that has to go on. Fundamentally, it is about people at all levels from the board level downwards taking responsibility for health and safety on site that is the key issue and and once you do that filling out a few forms to to support that and comply with cdm rigs doesn't become that that complicated and, and people shouldn't be afraid of it given how well the industry has engaged we talked earlier in the podcast about how well the industry as a whole have, have spoken and liaised with one another for the benefit of the entire industry. The roadshow thus far has very much been a process of, of educating organisers and giving them the information that they need and, and answering the questions that they've got as it stands. Longer term, um, is there any, um, uh, are there any plans to actually get people to again further down the line and look at how it's been implemented and take people's feedback and continue this process of communication? Yeah, absolutely. From an association point of view, I mean, I think Jonathan mentioned it earlier on, the the CDM task force has now become the health and safety working group um, across all three associations. So it's going to be the job of that group to continue to engage with CDM, continue to engage with, with the HSE, um, continue to talk to each other about their experiences. Um, and from our point of view, we'll use that information then and that engagement to keep updating what's available um, and develop new stuff if, if, if it needs developing. And I can add to that because, it, you know, I'm involved in, in that group and others, but actually the health and safety consultancy network is, is a very strong network uh, right across the events industry, festivals, um, theatres, t- television. Um, and I think that's what originally slightly wrong-footed the HSE when they realised that we were we were actually replying with one voice and very well coordinated it was at the time. Um, and so that, if you like, sits under the formal groupings um, that have been set up, which can sort of lobby, if you like, and, 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 and apply a bit of leverage. But those that informal grouping sits underneath that too. Um, and then, and we're, you know, emails are flying around all over the place saying, well, I've just had the HSE on site and this is what they asked. So the health and safety network is 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 there to sort of support if you like mm-hmm. as well yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. But I'd like to see, um, you know, sort of, it's always nice to talk about sort of what legacy of all this hard work and things they've done. I think the legacy of that is, you say, is, is, a, is a very joined up network of, of health and safety professionals, whether events, organisers, contractors, and we're all doing our own thing in a certain way, but following the same path. I think the actual joined up um, associations has, has been a good piece of work. It's also thrust us further up the uh, further up the food chain as far as representation within HSC. You know, myself and some colleagues obviously sit now have a have a seat at the table on Jace, which is a which is part of the uh, entertainment committee of, of HSC. So again, it's given us that, which I don't think I'm not saying we're going to say we wouldn't have got, but I think it gave us that opportunity to be represented there. But I think going forward, I think it's a lot of everything is, is now. There's a and it was interesting. I think a, a previous podcast was uh, which I which I listened to with interest. Regarding, you know, where, where is our new, where are our new people coming from? Where are mm, our new yeah. students coming from out of event management courses now, degrees? You know, this is the sort of thing that should be starting to be embedded into their into their curriculum. And I think, although, without, you know, dwelling on the point, but this is the sort of information education that has got to start going into into some of this sort a, of curriculum. At ground level. At ground level. Absolutely. Um, and as always, you know, we always put the call out in the podcasts for, for people to get in touch um, with, with questions, with comments, with their own experiences, um, it would be interesting to know, as you said, what's going to happen longer term from an event management study point of view and, and how embedded this will be at ground level before people are even coming into the industry. Um, and I'm sure further down the line, we will want to talk about the longer term impact that, that these regulations have had um, as, they, as they become a part of the industry. Um, for now, we shall wrap up today's episode of At Talking Events. Um, get in touch with us. You can watch a video recording of the podcast via the Event Industry News website and via the Event Industry News YouTube channel. Um, just leaves me to say thank you to Simon Garrett. Thanks for joining us. Andrew Harrison uh, and Jonathan Smith. My name is James Dixon and this is Talking Events. <laughs>